Reading and Interpreting Statutes, Topic 7. Dear Student, Let's Practice, Steps 4 and 5. Dear Student, Welcome to the Law School Playbook. I'm Hallie Hara, a professor of academic success and personal skills coach to law students and attorneys. I'm glad you're here. Today, we're going to pick up where we left off in the last episode, where a commercial pilot named Sean Fitzgerald showed up for work, rip-roaring drunk, and engaged in pre-flight work before he was arrested. The statute he is alleged to have violated is 18 U.S.C. Section 343, and we are now at Step 4, which requires us to look for the statute's meaning using the text and determine if the language is ambiguous or vague. Let's consider what the arguments of counsel would be at this point. Fitzgerald's attorney would most certainly argue that his pre-flight actions were insufficient to constitute operating a common carrier. After all, passengers had not boarded and the plane never took flight. Thus, Fitzgerald's attorney would argue for a narrow definition of the term operate. The government's attorney, in contrast, would undoubtedly argue for a more expansive definition. We can predict that the government might urge the court to look at the purpose of the statute, which might be to protect the safety and well-being of the public. If the plain meaning is not apparent from the face of the statute, and neither this court nor any court in the jurisdiction had decided what it means to operate a common carrier under 18 U.S.C. Section 342, the court may look to a dictionary definition to give it meaning. The American Heritage Dictionary, 1233, 4th edition, 2000, for example, defines operate as, quote, to run or control the functioning of, end quote. Using this definition, Fitzgerald might be said to have operated the aircraft by taking certain pre-flight steps. Fitzgerald calibrated the altimeter, which calculates altitude, programmed the flight management system, which controls navigation, turned on the auxiliary power unit, which provides energies for functions other than propulsion, and requested flight clearance from air traffic control. Although Fitzgerald did not cause the airplane to take flight, he appears to have run or controlled the functioning of the airplane under the American Heritage definition. But even if Fitzgerald can be found to have operated the aircraft, a critical question concerns what degree of operation is required. In other words, what kind of control must one exert over an airplane to be found guilty under the statute? Is a flight attendant opening the door sufficient to constitute operation for purposes of the statute? These questions prompt us to conclude that the term operates is at least arguably ambiguous. Consequently, we need to take the next step, step five, which is to resolve the ambiguity or to add clarity using the canons of construction. Let's look first to the legislative intent. As you'll recall, this canon endeavors to interpret the statutory language in a way that furthers the purpose of the statute. The arguments concerning this canon might be as follows. For Fitzgerald, counsel for Fitzgerald might argue that the purpose of Section 342 is to protect passengers from harm during movement. 
In contrast, counsel for the government will argue that the statute has a broader purpose to protect passengers from harm in preparation for and during movement. Adopting Fitzgerald's argument would seem to frustrate the purpose. Let's consider adding hypothetical facts. Let's hypothesize about what could have happened. After Fitzgerald was removed from the flight, the co-pilot neglected to reprogram the flight management system, and shortly after takeoff, the path charted by Fitzgerald's handiwork caused the jet to collide with another plane. In this scenario, the calamity occurred while the plane was moving, but the root cause of it was Fitzgerald's error during preparation. Yet under Fitzgerald's view of Section 342, he would evade prosecution. That construction of the statute would frustrate Fitzgerald's own conception of Section 342's purpose to protect passengers on common carriers during movement. This seems to border on the canon that states that statutes should not be construed to produce an absurd result. If the pilot cannot violate Section 342 by his pre-flight conduct or can do so only when it may be too late to stop him, Congress's desire to protect passengers on common carriers would be undermined. Finally, the court could consider the rule of lenity, the canon that would require the ambiguous word operate to be construed in Fitzgerald's favor. Clearly, Fitzgerald's counsel would want it to apply, and government's counsel would resist its application. The court is likely to side with the government because the rule is invoked only as a last resort, where the construction of a statutory term would leave it with a grievous ambiguity. Also, the rule of lenity, as we have discussed, arises from fair notice principles. Fitzgerald would not suffer from lack of notice that being intoxicated while on duty as a pilot could subject him to conviction. At bottom, this case is one that the legislature did not perceive of when it created the statute. Allowing Fitzgerald to avoid conviction based on his construction would lead to an unjust result that would not honor the spirit of the law. To review, we've predicted that the court would find that Fitzgerald is a person who operated a common carrier based on his pre-flight activities, requirement one, under the influence of alcohol, requirement two. Thus, Fitzgerald shall be imprisoned up to 15 years or fined or imprisoned up to 15 years and fined. And here's the part where I reveal that I did not make any of this up. It's a real case, so we don't have to guess as, how it, as to how it turned out. The case is United States versus Fitzgerald, and based upon the facts that we've discussed, Fitzgerald was convicted for a violation of the statute following a jury trial. The district court sentenced him to one year and one day in prison and three years of supervised release. On appeal to the United States Court of Appeals for the Sixth Circuit, Fitzgerald contended that the pre-flight actions he performed were not enough to operate the aircraft within the meaning of Section 342, that the jury was wrongly instructed, and that the district court erred at his sentencing. Finding no reversible error, the Sixth Circuit affirmed Fitzgerald's conviction. If you'd like to read the opinion, which will walk you through the steps of reading and interpreting statutes that we have discussed, the Sixth Circuit's citation is 906 F3rd 437. 
There's one more thing I'll point out to reaffirm that statutory interpretation is a messy business. There was one circuit judge who dissented, finding Fitzgerald's preparatory actions amounted to merely an attempt to operate the air common carrier. And because Congress failed to include an attempt provision in 18 U.S.C. Section 342, that judge would have held as a matter of law that Fitzgerald did not operate the air common carrier. Well, this wraps up our series on reading and interpreting statutes. If you would like to read this episode, get suggestions for further reading, or to request an individual coaching session with me, please visit my website at www.lawschoolplaybook.com. As always, do your best and I'll be rooting for you.